Kendra Tombolato, here with Mei Zhang, and this is the China Travel Podcast by Wild China Travel. Each week, we'll be heading to a new place in China to share our top local tips and tricks, highlighting our favorite food, hotels, and experiences, as well as sharing resources. If you're joining or catching up on past episodes, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. And lastly, if you're interested in traveling China with us or attending any of our other virtual events, please visit our website at wildchina.com. For this episode, we head to Chongqing with native Yao Zhao. We talk Sichuan peppers, Yao's top food picks around the city, and of course, some unique points of interest and the best options for accommodation. Today, I'm speaking with Chongqing native Zhao Yao, who is actually an old acquaintance of Wild China as he worked with our education trips way back, I think, 2008. Since then, however, he's gone on living internationally and among all the destinations, take a pick. He went to live in UAE and then for the past 10 years, he's been in the U.S. Currently, he's based in D.C., working for the World Bank. And as his side gig... He founded a very successful Sichuan pepper oil company called 50 Hertz. What does it do? We will get to that in the chat today. Now, I've tried the oil myself and highly, highly recommend it. Now I can't live a day without it. But don't take my word for it. Look it up. Future Dunlop and the New York Times are also big endorsers of this oil. So we'll get to it and it should be really fun. Yeah. So welcome. Thank you so much, May. It's really a pleasure to be talking with you and Wild China. I've known Wild China for so many years, and I really connect with the philosophy of traveling and exploring of Wild China. So thank you. Oh, thank you for the kind words. Thank you. I know you're from Chongqing, and for most of our listeners who may not know China that well, can you start off by orienting us? Where is Chongqing and why, why are we talking about Chongqing? Absolutely. Um, Chongqing is perhaps the most populous city in the world that very few people have heard about. Chongqing has 31 million people. 31 million, that's more people than Canada or Australia. That's a staggering number. (laughs) It is a staggering number. And Chongqing is located in the overall Sichuan area. Uh, It was part of Sichuan. And so it's in the central and southwest part of China, about two and a half hours by flight from Beijing and a narrow half north of Hong Kong or Canton area. So yeah, so it's a, you know, it's a very important part of China historically and, and also currently. It was part of Sichuan, as I said earlier, but in 1997, the central government decided to separate Chongqing out of uh, Sichuan province. Now Chongqing is one of the four cities under the direct control of central government. The other cities are Beijing, Shanghai, and Tianjin. And so Chongqing is now a whole provincial area that hosting 31 million people. So it's an incredible, sprawling and industrial metropolis that I think everyone should go take a look. You know, it's it's quite interesting because as you were speaking, the 31 million, the sprawling high skyscrapers and all that, don't quite gel with my memory of visiting Chongqing. I hate to say say this, but it's something like 30 years ago when I was in school, because every Chinese kid from uh, textbooks would know I don't even know how to say that in English, right? Mm -hmm. You go there to pay homage to 
the martyrs of the Communist Party way back. And so it was grim, dark, cold winter day that I went there. <laughs> and, and for international travelers, they think of Chongqing as the launch off point for the um, Yangtze River cruise or the destination, the ending point of the Yangtze River cruise, depending on whether upstream or downstream you go. Tell, tell us what it's like for you. Set, set the scene for us. What, what was it like growing up there? What was it like before? Was I dreaming <laughs> or it just has changed a lot? You know, I, I'm smiling uh, when I was uh, listening to what you said earlier. So I happened to grow up at the foothill of Gele Mountain, where Jia Zidong and Bai Gongguan, those patriotic destinations that every yeah. Chinese student has to visit. Yeah. So you can see Ch- Chongqing played a very important role in the Chinese um, civil war and anti-Japanese war during the Second World War. So that was ch- that was tourism in Chongqing in the let's say in the 1990s. So most of the most of the tourists in Chongqing are from you know domestic tourists, you know, to pay homage to the patriotic sites. So I happened to grow up under the, the foothill uh, of Gele Mountain. And Gele Shan, uh, Gele Mountain is also famous for its spicy chicken, right? If you remember that, I think a lot of people have heard of that famous dish, the, the Gele Shan Lazi. The, I think um, I was too poor to try one of these. <laughs> it's, it's, it's famous and it's so yummy and it's, it's a bit intimidating. You know, it's a, a big plate of chicken, a bit fried chicken, uh, more so chicken thigh meat buried under chili peppers and citron peppers. So, th- so th- that's where that dish came from. So that, that was my upbringing. But now, you know, evolved, you know, 30 years from your visit, Chongqing has, you know, been now, I think a lot of people are not going to Chongqing for, you know, Gelashan or Jiazidong, but they are going to see the modern Chongqing, the new Chongqing, which we can talk about later. Wow, amazing. So as you were talking about food, we're already sort of going in that direction, but we'll come back to tourist destinations. I'm just curious, Sichuan kids all eat like really hot chili. How old were you when you just had like really, really a bowl of chili sauce, sort of noodles or whatever, or just as as young as you remember? I would say, yeah, I think five or six year old, I was able to handle chili from then on. It is, I mean, it is, I mean, I think Sichuan people, Chongqing people, we can, we eat chilies from a young age. But there's also a, a misconception that Sichuan food is all about chilies, right? I think you mentioned Fuxia Donglop. That's actually one concept she constantly emphasized in her book and, and in her work that um, Sichuan cuisine is all about the complex flavor. There are so many other flavors and also sometimes a very soothing broth to go with the meal is also part of the cuisine. So it's really, I mean, it's famous for mala, you know, spi- hot, spicy, and numbing, but there's much more to it. Mm. So the, the image, I think, in every Chinese person's head about Chongqing food is on a very hot, sweaty day, people are like sweating like rain and hunched over this bowl or bucket of boiling hot pot filled with peppers bubbling and then everyone's eating hot pot and really spicy. That must be wrong. Tell us, what are the other dishes that when you think of Chongqing, you think ah, that makes it Chongqing for you? Yeah, that, I mean, that image is definitely very Chongqing. You 
accurately and aptly described what what you would see, right, in the sultry and humid summer day. In Chongqing, summer is intense. It's one of the I think four furnaces in China. Uh, when you know they describe a, a few cities in China that's extremely hot, and yeah. Chongqing is definitely one of them. And that image just described is absolutely accurate. You would see people having hot pot in the 110 degree and 100 percent humidity day, having a, a you know hot pot outside and drinking cold beer, right? So it's it's a very vivid thing that I think it's it's for tourists. It's, it's something to see and experience. That's definitely true. But much more to it, for me, I mean, I love hot pot, of course. But for me, there are some dishes that definitely, you know, brings, brings me back to my roots. One of them is Chongqing Xiaomian, you know, Chongqing small noodles. I think everyone in the, I think most people in the West have heard of Dandan noodle from Chengdu and other part of Sichuan. But yeah. the Chongqing small noodle now is actually gaining its popularity all over the world, all over China. So the difference between the difference between dandan noodle or chongqing noodle is, I think, is the use of garlic and ginger. And garlic and ginger are used copaciously in chongqing cooking. And the the scene of of eating chongqing noodle is also iconic. You would see, especially in the morning, right? So you would have a quite spicy and flavorful bowl of noodle in the morning. That's quite intense for your stomach in the morning. But that's what people do in Chongqing. You would see people gathered around a hole in the wall, noodle vendors, and they would have, you know, they would have plastic stools uh, on the on the sidewalks, and so people would just slurping their noodle, the bowl of noodle, uh, and drinking soy soybean milk on the sidewalk. And then there are other vendors selling fruits and vegetables and flowers uh, around them. And the people actually making the noodle, you, you, you know, for everyone who hasn't been to Chongqing or, or, or that part of China, you have to see people making the noodle because the way they make the, the base sauce is fantastic because they don't use any measurement. They use the twist of their wrist to measure how much vinegar, how much soy sauce, how much shrimp pepper they put in your noodle. It's really, it's really fascinating. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Would you actually be able to share with us one of your favorite recipes for making Chongqing small noodle? Did you call it? I'd love to try. It sounds really yummy. There is actually an, uh, a recipe on my own website on 50hertzfoods.com. But, you know, so that, that is how I make it at home. But also, you know, Fusha Donglop, the most esteemed Chinese food popularizer, you know, her recipe is yeah. definitely, you know, I would follow that as well. All right. Well, we'll ask Fuchsia. As some of our followers may know, uh, Fuchsia also guides two trips a year with Wild China, and that is a trip to die for. Eating around China with the expert who orders just all these both iconic dishes, but also obscure dishes to really expand your palate, right? It would be very fun. Now that, yeah, okay. I, I, if, I can, if I can add to that, I think um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the trips I hope I can actually get on someday. But also, I think the the cultural context, her understanding of the culinary culture and the region is absolutely accurate and it just enriches you, uh, the trips. Uh, so, yeah, so I would definitely yeah, recommend that. Absolutely. I mean, you already touched on this. Some of the sort of misperceptions of, of Sichuan food being just hot and yet 
your oil is not hot. Your oil creates this amazing sensation that both you and Fuchsia talked about. So let's go there. Tell us, tell us about 50 Hertz. Why did you do it? Why did you start it? Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to talk about Sichuan pepper, right? So, you know, Sichuan food is famous, or Chongqing food is famous for mala. But, you know, if I have to name a difference between Chongqing food, right? Yu, Chongqing is then for, the, the short name for Chongqing is Yu. So Yu food is slightly different from Chuan Cai, the, the Sichuan food. If I, you know, the most prominent difference is it's extra numbing. So the numbing, the use of Sichuan pepper makes a huge difference. So Sichuan pepper is tingling numbing spice. That, that's very different from the, ch- the hot chili spice. Yeah. So, you know, the, 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 the most important thing in cooking Sichuan food is a balance, right? So you have this burning sensation from hot chili peppers, but then you add this very citrusy, floral, aromatic, uh, and tingling numbing Sichuan pepper to the food because the tingling numbing sensation is actually a cooling effect to cool you down. So it's it's a it's a really a, a wonderful balance to the you know hot burning sensation. So that's why you know people say it's addictive to eat Sichuan food. It, I think it's exactly because of that balance. You could eat more when it's actually have this sort of uh, you know tingling numbing sensation in your mouth. And actually, Sichuan pepper is also indigenous to Sichuan, unlike chili peppers, right? It, which is a Colombian exchange result. Right? It was in introduced to China about 400 years ago, whereas Sichuan pepper is indigenous to the region, you know, which is, you know, part of the original spice that's used in China, uh, along with ginger and garlic. So yeah, so it's definitely a very unique flavor and sensation. And, And you mentioned my company, 50 Hertz. So why, you know, why is it called 50 Hertz, right? So I read this very interesting paper published in 2013 in the Royal Society Proceeding B in London. So the, the author is the head of neuroscience department of UCL, University College London, mm. Professor Haggard. So he actually studied citron pepper and oh. he and his team concluded that the tingling numbing sensation that's induced by citron pepper is equivalent to 50 hertz of electricity hitting your tongue. So it's the same frequency. So if you want to quantify that tingling numbing sensation. There you go. You got your answer. But but I would say be aware of the quantity. I think you emphasize this of sort of the balance, right? I have this one anecdote of how I cooked a beef stew. I mean, I'm from Yunnan, south of um, Sichuan, Chongqing. I, I cooked this beef stew and with these little Sichuan peppers, I wrapped it up in a cheesecloth and put it in the stew at the bottom. But after stewing for two hours, it sort of like looked exactly like those potato chunks. And one of my daughter's friend did not know the difference. And he, she took a bite of this little pouch with citron pepper. I literally thought I had to run her off to ER. All right. So for people who are not familiar, <laughs> what would you suggest? Start with a drop, two drops. How would you use it? How would you get acquainted to this flavor and sensation? That's excellent question. You know, uh, I think for the actually Fusha Dunlop, when she traveled to China, you know, more than twenty years ago, and she landed in Chongqing, and she actually had no idea what citron pepper was, and she was shocked. And she wrote in her diary, and I read it, 
that, you know, what is, what the hell is this appalling spice? Of course, you know, she grew up to, you know, love it. So I, I do think, you know, once people get over that initial strangeness, then quickly, I think the, the aromatic and tingling numbing sensation, delightful tingling numbing sensation will take over. But how to quench yourself? That's, you know, I, I would say start with the oil, right? So Sichuan pepper comes in mainly in two forms, right? One is the dried form. You know, you would see it in mapa tofu, um, in kung pao chicken, or in, in any Sichuan dish. It's the dried peppers. If you are not familiar with how to use it, you do need some extra grinding and cutting it up, chop it up, and then stir fry it. So I would say start with the oil form. So, so the Sichuan pepper oil, which keeps the flavor for a much longer time than ground Sichuan pepper. So I would use, I think, a small drizzle, as you know, May. A small drizzle would go a long way. So start with the oil and use, use it gingerly. Where would you drizzle it over? A salad or a bowl of noodle a soup? A salad. I would say a salad is definitely a new use. Uh, I use it in my salad all the time because it goes really well with anything citrusy. Because actually citron pepper is part of the citrus family. You know, little known to a lot of people. And then bowl of noodles, yes. It works extremely well with carbs. The way, how I actually started doing the business is because I was making a bowl of pasta at home. Uh, It's a Thomas Keller recipe with mushroom and shallots and a lot of parmesan cheese. And I drizzled some green citron pepper oil on top of it. It just really elevated the flavor and enhanced that umami flavor and the earthiness of mushroom. And that's how actually I was inspired to do this uh, do business. So I would say, yeah, mm. anything carb-related, pizza is also an excellent use. And actually, to my surprise, since I started doing the business, independently, many, many of my customers told me, you know, we love it on our popcorn, which is really <laughs> surprising to me. Um, that but, is. Yeah, but, but I think, you know, because I think if you think about it, you, it, 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 it works. And I tried it. It's, it's really excellent use. That's so interesting. Yeah. I think I'm going to try it on pizza first. Yeah. Now, how did you source it? I mean, in China, that's the thing is almost anything. Everyone kind of grows a little bit of it. How do you get to the source of the best pepper? When is the best time to harvest? And how do you work with sort of the famous Chinese supply chain to, to get this pure, pure taste all the way to my kitchen? Tell us. How you did that? Yeah, it's actually, I think that's the advantage of being an, a, a local, right? When I started the business, I I just, you know, doing business in China is casual, right? There's, you know, nobody uses emails. You don't email anyone to make an arrangement. I, I called a lot of my friends to ask them, what's your favorite brand? What's your favorite brand of citron pepper? And they told me a bunch of them. And I called each one of them. And they said, oh yeah. And, you know, speaking the dialect, it, it means a lot. In, in China in doing business. So I was able yes. to build trust and relationships quickly with farmers, cooperatives, and suppliers. And then I show up, I drive to their plants and their farms, and then I had uh, amazing meals with them. So that's how I was able to source the, um, the citron pepper. So I you know, go there and I see, I, you know, see their operations and I see how they source it, how they dry it, how they infuse it in oil. And also, whoever is willing to work with me, because I'm a small potato, right? I'm a small business owner. 
but I have a big dream, right? I want to introduce this, you know, iconic, but still, you know, uh, little known spice to the Western world. So I'm a small business owner who has a big dream. So I need some, need some help, whoever wants to work with me. So yeah, so I found a balance uh, in that process. And yeah, so that's how I actually made it happen. So the supply chain in China is not easy. Yeah, I, I love it. You know, uh, a small business, uh, a small entrepreneur with a big dream, and that's how big, big dreams become reality. It's very inspiring. Describe to me, what was it like? How far is this plantation? Do they grow on the hillside? Does it grow in in rainy kind of climate or drier climate? And and I know I've seen some of the harvest. It's prickly, lots of thorns. It's so such hard work. It's way harder than picking strawberries. I think. Describe that's that. a lot. Of, that's a lot of questions in one, in one go. So I'll I'll explain this. It's very interesting actually. And so. You know, in in the West we call it citron pepper, but in Chinese we call it huajiao, right? Flower pepper, which I think is actually a more accurate name for this spice because it's very floral and citrusy. So, but citron pepper itself is a bit of a misnomer because it, you know, not just Sichuan grows this pepper, right? There are actually uh, amazing varieties uh, in in uh, Shanxi and Shanxi and Yunnan and Chongqing. Right, so it's so that whole region grows this spice, but because of Sichuan food, and you know, and that's why they, they adopted the name. So, so that you can see, you know, the, so the weather, the climate, makes a huge difference, and it also has something to do with the varieties. So, in general, Sichuan pepper actually has two varieties in, overall: the red and the green. And the green is not a less mature version of the red; they're just two different varieties. Like I, I like to compare them as、uh, wine grapes, right? You have white wine grapes and the red wine grapes. They're not the red. The red one is not more mature than the white. They're just two varieties with distinct flavors. So the green ones grows more in the Chongqing and Yunnan, so more southern areas, and the green one is more floral and citrusy and more refreshing. Like white wine, you know, it pairs better with fish. With seafood, in fact, actually the most famous dish in China or in Chongqing at the moment is Qinghuajiaoyu, green citron pepper fish. It's、mm. an amazing dish. Whoever goes to Chongqing has to try that. It's very tender fish fillet covered under green citron pepper, fresh ones, and then the chef would come out with boiling water and pour it on top of the dish. So the 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 oil hits the fresh pepper. And then create create that dramatic sizzling effect, and then the the aroma of the citron pepper permeates the room. You know, it's just a fantastic dish to try. So that's the green citron pepper. But actually, what most people know is the red one, right? The red one is used in every citron dish and has been used in for thousands of years. So that the red one grows more in the northern, in more in the Sichuan area. The most famous place is Hanyuan. And there is actually one slope, particular slope in Hanyuan, called New Shipo, the Ox Market slope, that produces the most famous citron pepper that was a tribute to the emperor back in the in the dynasties. So, so this whole idea of tehua, the the, the the wine concept tehua, is actually has been practiced in China for for many many years. So that's that's the two general varieties of citron pepper. 
Yeah. Um, so uh, as you were describing the fish, I was already cooking it in my head. But here in America, do you are, are there are there plants? Is there any possibility to get fresh citron pepper? It's it's difficult. You know, fresh citron pepper um, they spoil very fast. That's why you need to either dry them quickly and make them into dried citron pepper, mm-hmm. or you infuse them in oil. But mm-hmm. actually, I do know quite a few people in California, in uh, in, the, in the Seattle area. They, they grow their own citron pepper in their own backyard. So actually, it's, it's possible to grow that in, in the U.S. So on that green pepper fish dish in America, can I use dried pepper? This yes. is a very selfish question. <laughs> I'm going to get yes. to it. Yeah, you, definitely you can use dried pepper or use the oil because all it creates that, that you know, you can use the oil, just drizzle it at, at the end when before you serve the dish. So you drizzle the oil, so it won't have that dramatic sizzling effect, but it will definitely have the same kind of aroma and the tingling numbing sensation. Great. And I want to visit your friends in California and get a cutting for my yard. I'm going to zoom out a little bit. And now that you've made me want to go to Chongqing to eat, I want to ask some questions like for our travelers. As a non-Chinese traveler, when you go to Chongqing, how much time should you spend there and what to see if you're not seeing the red commoners' sites? And also, what do domestic travelers go there for now? That would be very helpful. Yeah, I, I think Chongqing is definitely worth going, especially you know if you want to combine a trip with Chongqing and Chengdu and compare the difference. You know, and these two cities, are their competition between each other is iconic. And they're so close to each other nowadays, right? It's, it's with the, the, the bullet train in China, it's really an hour away. The trip was four hours when I was growing up. So to see the difference between Chongqing and Chengdu is fascinating. The, they're so close, yet the personality is so different. The food is similar, but also different. So to see that, I would recommend to stay in Chongqing at least, I think, at least two nights, two to three nights would be, would be actually excellent. And, you know, to see, you know, Chongqing out of nowhere, actually, when I was growing up, as we just talked about earlier, you know, the, the tourism is about domestic patriotic sites. But nowadays, Chongqing out of nowhere in the past, let's say five years, becomes the most popular destination among domestic tourists. I think partly because of the, the, the food, for, for sure. But also, I think the government is pushing tourism of the city. Because Chongqing used to be heavy industry city, but now they want to move toward the tertiary uh, economy. So, and Chongqing is unique because of the mountains, because of the rivers, and there are light rail trains going through a residential building. And, and that becomes an instant internet sensation. Like everyone is posting on Douyin, on TikTok. So that creates this Wang Hong, the internet celebrity effect. So to, to go, you, you go to Chongqing to see the architecture, to see the, to taste the food, and also to experience the Chongqing life. Chongqing people is famous for being straightforward, for being blunt, and also you know the girls are, is famous for being very pretty, but also fiery. They have a very argumentative um, street of their personality. So so that's the that's I would say that's the urban side of Chongqing. But also remember, Chongqing is a whole provincial area. So there are two sites outside of Chongqing, and that, that's not far 
I think, two hours by train. One is the Dazu Grottas. It's mm. a very famous Buddhism site to go see the very exquisite sculptures carved out of the, of the mountain. And mm. then the other one is more a natural beauty, is Wulong. Wulong is this uh, karst geological park. There, it's in, uh, many actually, Terminator, I think, was shot there. Um, quite a few famous uh, movies were shot there. You go there to see this amazing arches, natural arches, that stands 200 meters tall. And, um, and it's an amazing hike site as well. You go through waterfalls and extremely lush and green on landscape. So I would definitely highly recommend that two sites outside of Chongqing to go see the natural beauty around Chongqing. Sounds like three days is a minimum. Then you need one <laughs> day to see the train going through the residential building. What is that site called? Does it have a name? Yeah, actually, it's, I highly recommend that. So you would basically take the number two route of the Chongqing public transportation system. So, so number two is the original light rail train. When I was in high school, it was built in, I think it was finished in 2005. So I took it for granted because I grew up with this, but now it's, uh, it's the most famous site to see. But also... Chongqing was a very important interim capital during the civil war. So near that metro station, there was the Steelwell Museum, the Joseph mm. Steelwell, which yeah. was the American general that was handling the relationship between the U.S. aid to China and Chiang Kai-shek. And they have a very interesting and entwined relationship. So mm. the museum was also near that metro station. So if you're interested in, if you're a history buff, you definitely want to check it out. And that was his old residence around there. Okay. Very, very cool. It sounds like I need to go back there. Any last bit, give me names of three restaurants that we cannot miss and the top three hotels that while China clients that you know would enjoy. I I know that discerning crowd of uh, Wild China customers. So in terms of restaurants, I would highly recommend this hot pot mountain that I was actually taken there by my high school classmates a few years ago. There's a whole slope of mountain that's, <laughs> it's a whole slope of mountain. It's, I'm not kidding. It's a whole slope of mountain that's dominated by hot pot restaurants. All you eat is hot pot. And, and it's, it's, it's fantastic because it's actually, they took, they actually built those terraces along the mountain slopes. And then they also have lotus ponds surrounded your table. So you are basically eating in the mountain and surrounded by lotus blossoms, especially if you Aww. go in the, in the summer. So it's, it's a fantastic place and it's located in the, in the South mountain, Nanshan, Nan mountain. Nanshan. Right. And so on the way back, so you go there for dinner, I would, I would recommend. Go there for dinner, uh, have hot pot in the beautiful ambiance. And then on the way back to the city from the Nan Mountain, you will also see the fantastic night view because you go from the south side of Chongqing, cross the Yangtze River, back into where you would stay in the um, CBD area. And that's where mm. I would recommend you to stay. So, so, the, so first of all, so hot pot is definitely that. That's where you ha- we would have hot pot. Let, let me just clarify quickly. The hot pot mountain is the name of a, a restaurant, or there are no. Just... It's 
it's a, any, it's a any restaurants, restaurants on this mountain. Any restaurant there, any restaurant on this mountain. I think there are two famous ones. As far as I can remember, one is called Longjingxiang, and that's the one I was taken there by my friends. But there are a slew of restaurant there. I think pick anyone, you will be your stomach would be satisfied. Also, perhaps <laughs> we'll have some rough time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in Chinese, it's called what? Huoguoshan. Huoguoshan, yeah, hot pot mountain. Yeah, literally. Okay, literally. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think uh, I would recommend any Chongqing small noodle joints on the street. You will see. Just you know, I think just trust your eyes and nose when you walk around in the morning. Wherever people are sitting on the sidewalk, slurping a bowl of noodles, trust that, and you know you will have a very interesting breakfast. It's extremely tasty, so definitely I would recommend that. And then there's another restaurant I was also taken there by my junior high school classmates. It's called White Portal Grandma Bridge. It's on the seventh floor of this fancy shopping mall called the Metropolitan Plaza. And what they do is they have small tapas, tapas-like snacks. Of local snacks. Well, sna- not snacks, not in a Western sense, but they would have very authentic, everyday, common dishes there. And I found it very charming because you get to try all kinds of local dishes all in one go. So I would highly recommend that as well. And in terms of accommodation, well, so Chongqing is a bit like New York City actually because there are two rivers uh, merge uh, together. So there is this whole peninsula like Manhattan. So that's the CBD area. So I think for the first timers, I think you should perhaps stay in the CBD area to just enjoy the convenience of that location. But at the same time, there's a very, actually a nice new hotel called Nicolo that's located in the northern bank of the Jialing River. So if you think of New York, and so that that place is located basically in the Brooklyn direction. On the northern side of Chongqing, so you get to. It's it's a fancy hotel. The thing is, even though it's a fancy hotel, the the, the hotel price in Chongqing is very affordable for a super uh, you know extra 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 luxury five star hotel. You can still, you know, I think it's just uh, you know a bit over a hundred dollar per night, and you get to see a fantastic night view of Chongqing CBD area. So that's one that's one hotel. And then I think in, in the CBD area, there's Westin, there's, uh, I think, a bunch of uh, hotels, Westin-style uh, hotel you can choose. Thank you. And yeah, the, the small boutique things, you may, I mean, in the next five years, you probably find them sprouting up in the suburbs of Chongqing, right? Um, well, it it I, is happening now. You know, if you talk about suburbs of Chongqing, actually the most expensive hotel is this Bolian Hotel outside of yeah. Chongqing. It's it's like a it's a spa and a spa treatment hotel for 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 spa treatment and enjoy the hot springs. That's extremely expensive and it's a local it's a local brand. It's a it's, I think it's a Chinese brand for yes. I think a thousand dollars a night. But it's outside of Chongqing and it's beautiful. Um, it's beautiful. But, yeah, and yeah. there's also I know this entrepreneur who operates uh, Jixia Shan. Oh yeah, brand. 
Of course. And they also renovated some old houses in Chongqing, which looks beautiful. I haven't personally visited. Well, thank you so much, Yao. This is a fantastic chat. You've completely transported me back to your hometown. And I have already your oil. And I'm actually sending more to my summer house somewhere so that I won't miss it for any meal. And、uh, wish you lots of luck going forward with、uh, 50 Hertz. And thanks again. Thank you very much, May. Thank you very much. Wild China Travel presents the China Travel Podcast, hosted by me, Kendra Tombolato, and Wild China founder, May Zhang. In this series, we'll be traveling to a different place in China each week to share our local tips and expert travel advice. To catch our weekly podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.